Welcome to the Westside Gathering Podcast, and thanks for making the time to learn and grow with us. Here, you'll find teaching from our live Sunday gatherings. After the message, we'll say a little more about our church and how you can connect. But for now, let's jump right in. Well, I'd like to start off by thanking Pastor David and uh, Westside for having me here this morning. It's such a tremendous privilege to be here this morning with all of you. Uh, Westside, of course, as Pastor David just alluded to, has a very, very special place in my heart. And of course, I need to start off this morning by also wishing all the dads here today a very happy Father's Day. Happy Father's Day, dads. I hope that you, yeah, give those dads a round of applause. I hope that you are all spoiled this afternoon uh, the way that you deserve to be. And you know, as I was thinking about Father's Day, I came across this little statistic. I know we like statistics. And apparently Father's Day is the fourth largest card-giving holiday. Did you know that? Yeah, I bet you can guess what the first one is. It's pretty easy to... What is it? Actually, it's Christmas. Yeah, apparently 1.8 billion cards are sent on Christmas Day, and that is followed by, I did hear it, Valentine's Day, the day of love. 152 million cards are sent on Valentine's Day. Then in third place, Mother's Day. 141 million cards are uh, sent on Mother's Day. And Father's Day comes in fourth. 94 million cards are sent on Father's Day. Yeah, it's <laughs> a lot. You know, Father's Day comes in fourth place behind Mother's Day. Sorry to the dads, but uh, one researcher said that he thinks the bar is just set lower for dads. And maybe it's just that, you know, dads are not as much into cards, but, you know, they're maybe into more practical things like ties and tools. Do we have any tie and tool dads here? Yeah. (laughs) Golf dad, I know. I'm really blessed to know some great dads, and uh, some of them are here today. Um, my brother, Jason, is a great dad, dedicated and devoted, and he was supposed to be here today, but something came up with one of his little ones at the last minute, and so he is wearing his dad hat today. Dad to the rescue, you know how it is. Uh, my husband, Fred, is here today, and he is the father of four girls. Yeah. <laughs> And this is a man that has, let me tell you, an incredible amount of patience. You can go up and give him a hug, pray for him after the service. He is greatly outnumbered in our household, but fortunately, you know, we have more than one bathroom in the house, so I think that helps him to keep his sanity. His father is here today. His very loving and selfless dad is here with us today, and it's his first time here at Westside, so we're really happy to have him here today as well. But this morning, I wanted to share a little bit about my dad. You know, I always saw my dad, there he is, yeah, as a strong dad. You know, my dad was a protector, he was a provider. You know, of course, my dad was an RCMP officer, so it was part of his job to protect people, but really it was more than that. You know, it was part of who he was, it was his nature. And my dad was a man of his word. You know, when he said he was gonna do something, he followed through. And I remember I was about three years old and my dad said that he was going to take me to breakfast with Santa. But he didn't bank on the fact that he was going to have to work a 24-hour shift before that morning with breakfast with Santa. 
But true to his word, yep, even though I'm sure his bed and his pillow were calling his name, he brought me to breakfast with Santa. I think we both have the same expression on our faces. Mine is sort of amazement and his is total fatigue. He was totally exhausted, but being the man of his word, yes, he did take me to breakfast with Santa. Yeah, my dad sacrificed, you know, that was the type of man that he was. In that particular case, he sacrificed sleep, but over the years, he sacrificed so much more. He sacrificed his time and his resources, and he often went without so his kids didn't have to. And because my dad was a man of his word, I trusted him. You know, I remember as a little girl when my father was teaching me how to swim. And this was before we had our own backyard pool. We would often go to different people's houses who had swimming pools. Yeah, you definitely want to become friends with people that have swimming pools through the summer. But, uh, you know, this was before we had our own backyard pool. And I remember my dad, you know, just standing in the middle of the pool with his arms outstretched. And he'd tell me, jump. And, you know... I knew he was going to catch me, but the first time you do anything, you know, there's always that little bit of hesitation. There's always the drama. So you got to do the countdown, right? The requisite countdown. So here I was standing on the side and here we go. It's like one, two, two and a half, three, and you jump. And of course he caught me. I knew he would. And then of course it becomes a game. You know, you run up the ladder and you just can't jump in fast enough. You know, and he catches me every single time. But as we get older, it seems that the risks that we take and the challenges we face become greater. It's like the jump becomes higher, the pool becomes deeper. We need bigger arms to catch us. Growing up, My mom always took my brother and I to church, you know, but as a little one and as a young one, you know, in my mind, it was just something we did. You know, it was really only in 2013 that I finally learned that it wasn't about going to a place. It wasn't about a religion. It wasn't about rules and regulations. It was about a relationship, a personal relationship with a personal God who was at once the creator of the universe and every beautiful thing in it, and also my father, my Abba, my Papa. And once I got to know him, like really know him, not just here but here, I got to see how I started to really experience his presence in my life. You know, to see how he would show up in a real and concrete way. And I remember my prayer Back in 2013, when I was in my apartment, I was by myself, on my knees, and I prayed, God, if you are real, make yourself real to me. I wanted to know him. Not just know about him, but I wanted to have a real experience of who he was. And it seems that that was the invitation that God was waiting for all along. You know, the Bible says in Jeremiah 29, 13, you will seek me and you will find me when you seek me with all of your heart. And as I got to know him through his word, he started to change me. And not only did a relationship with him meant that, you know, my mistakes were forgiven and I had a home one day in heaven, so he took care of my past and my future, but it also meant that I got to experience his presence in the present 
that I got to experience him in the here and now. I knew that he had a plan and a purpose for my life. And most importantly, he gave me his peace for this life, this often very stressful life. I mean, I know there is a lot to worry about. I work in television news, so you just have to turn on the TV on any given day, and we cover stories of war. You know, there's climate change, catastrophic flooding, and devastating wildfires, and then there are, of course, random acts of violence. There is a lot to be anxious about. And then, of course, there are the things that are happening closer to home. You know, things that are happening under our own roofs and in our own hearts. The things that keep us up at night. And it's different for each one of us. You know, for some of you, maybe it's your finances. You know, COVID has been a tough time, and maybe some of you are wondering how you're going to make ends meet, how you're going to pay your bills. I know you just heard in the news this week that where I work, hundreds of people are being let go. That's something to keep you up at night. You know, for some of you, it might be relationships, strained or broken relationships, lost relationships. Some of you might be grieving a relationship. For some of you, it's your health, something going on in your physical bodies, maybe your minds. Maybe some of you are feeling discouraged or depressed or hopeless. But God promises in his word that he can give us his peace no matter what we're going through. That peace is possible despite the fact that our life seems to be in pieces. In the New Testament, the Apostle Paul refers to it as a peace that surpasses understanding. It's a peace that just doesn't seem to make any sense because it's not based on our circumstances. And if anyone knew anything about that kind of peace, it was the Apostle Paul. I mean, here was a guy who was beaten, tortured, abandoned, shipwrecked, and yet he still managed to write some of the most hopeful verses in the New Testament. Paul wrote Philippians 4, 6, 7. You know, it's one of the most famous verses in the Bible. It's often referred to as Paul's anti-anxiety verse. And it's easy to see why, so we're going to look at it together. Philippians 4, 6, 7 says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Notice the way that Paul writes this. He says, do not be anxious. He writes it like a firm command. This isn't just a suggestion that might improve our lives. He writes it as a firm command. He says, do not be anxious. And not only does he say, do not be anxious, but he says, do not be anxious about anything. And keep in mind that he wrote that while he was chained to a Roman guard. So how do we do that? Okay, Paul, how do we do that? Well, in the verse right before, Paul gives us a bit of a key, a clue. He says, the Lord is near. That's how we do it. God is with us. We are not alone. And God reminds us in Isaiah 41.10, he says, so do not fear for I am with you. Do not be dismayed for I am your God. I will strengthen you and I will help you and I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. And so many times in the Bible, God paints that picture for us of him holding us by our hands just like a loving father does. 
I mean, for those of you here that are parents or grandparents, you know, you instinctively do that with your little ones. When you're getting ready to cross the street or walk into a crowd, what do you do? What do you say to them? You say, hold my hand. And that is the same loving invitation that God extends to us every day. The Bible says God is love, and his love, his perfect love, casts out fear. And it doesn't matter how old we get, how wise we get, how mature we are, how far along in the faith we are. You know, sometimes we are just those fearful children. And that's why the Bible reminds us, and it says, fear not, 365 times. It's like one for every day of the year. So Paul says, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer. So prayer is where it starts. That's the first thing that we're expected to do is we're expected to pray. But of course, you can only pray to a father that you know. I mean, growing up, I trusted my dad. Why? Because I knew him. You know, he was a protector, a provider, a man of his word. He was dependable. And that's how we trust God by getting to know him and his character. Jesus says in Matthew eleven twenty eight, 28, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest, and you will find rest for your souls. That is a deep peace. Jesus says we not only go to him for an answer, he says he is the answer in times of trouble because he is the prince of peace. You know, so often when we're facing troubles, people will say, oh, you just have to have faith. Just have faith. You know, as if faith is synonymous with belief. But faith on its own doesn't really mean much. You know, it's what we put our faith in that gives it its meaning. It's the object of our faith that gives it its power. Faith is not the same thing as blind trust. When my dad was in that swimming pool with his arms outstretched and he was asking me to jump, I was able to jump because I knew he was going to catch me. In the same way, we can only trust God when we get to know him and spend time with him and when we experience him catching us over and over. I know this is a difficult day for some. I was blessed. I had a great dad. But we have a perfect one. A perfect father who loves us with a perfect love, whose arms are always outstretched, ready to catch us. He never gets tired. His arms never get tired because he never gets tired. He never needs to take a nap. He never needs to unwind after a long day at work, never needs to sit on the couch and watch TV or go play golf. He is always there with those arms outstretched, just ready and waiting to catch us. Paul says, by prayer and petition. So we need to pray and we need to ask. Jesus says in John 16, I tell you the truth, my father will give you whatever you ask in my name. Ask and you will receive and your joy will be complete. Because asking is a sign of faith. It's a sign that we trust him as our provider. I remember seeing a scene, you know, with a father and his little one and she was learning how to tie her shoes. And he was standing patiently over her. And she was trying and wasn't getting it. And he said, let me help you. And she was stubborn. And she said, I don't need you. I can do it myself. And in that moment, I thought, 
how many times did I unconsciously say that to God? I don't need you. I can do it myself. So we need to pray and we need to ask because asking his, him is a sign that we trust him by prayer and petition with thanksgiving. So not only do we need to ask, but the way we ask is also important that we come to him with a humble and a grateful heart, trusting him in advance that an answer is on the way. And then the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard our hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. And that peace is available to everyone, to each and every one of you, but we can only get it from one place. Notice it's called the peace of God. It's the peace of God for a reason because it's the peace that only he can give. Jesus says in John 14, 27, my peace I leave you, my peace I give you. I do not give as the world gives. It's the peace of God because only he can give it. You can't get it anywhere in this world. I know because I tried. You can't get it from a job or a career, as rewarding as they might be. You can't get it from a hobby. You can't get it from a relationship, a boyfriend, a girlfriend, a husband, a wife, your children. You can't even get it from the greatest vacation. You know, sitting on the beach with the sun on your face. You know, so many times people think that to have peace, they need to have that escape from life. You know, oh, well, if I'm, when I'm problem-free, then I'll have peace. <laughs> when is that going to happen? You know, but Jesus gives us a different kind of peace. He gives us a peace in the middle of the storm. He gives us a peace in spite of the fact that our life is in chaos. That is a very different peace. The storm is raging around you. You should be freaking out, but he gives you his peace, the peace of God. And that perfect peace can only come from a perfect source, a perfect God. And we can have perfect peace from a perfect father, and you know what? He wants to give it to us even more than we want it for ourselves. The Bible says, if you as imperfect know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more does your Father in heaven? That perfect peace is available to everyone. And I don't know anyone who couldn't use that offer. Even someone as tough as my RCMP dad. You see, when I began a relationship with God, a real relationship with him, God put this burden on my heart for my dad. My dad was an RCMP officer, so he often saw the worst of humanity. And I prayed for God to give him peace. For years I prayed. I had small groups of people praying for him, people he didn't even know. In fact, when I met my husband, Fred, it was one of the first conversations that we ever had. You know, I knew that my dad wanted his little girl to be settled, but this little girl wanted her dad to be settled, to find the peace of God. And Fred assured me before he even met him, he said, don't worry, Lori, he will. And I thought, yeah, okay but you don't know my RCMP dad. You know my often stubborn, strong-minded RCMP dad. And no, he didn't know my dad. He hadn't met him yet. But he knew our dad and what he could do. And that was the year 
that God started to work in my dad's life. That was the year that my dad came to church with me for the first time down in Florida when I was visiting my parents on vacation. And I'll never forget how quiet my dad was after that service. I mean, my mom and I looked at each other like, wonder what's going on in his mind. But I now know that he didn't say much because God was starting to speak to him. Just days after that service, my parents would end up having a car accident. Fortunately, they were okay, but their car wasn't. And so they were going to have to stay in Florida weeks longer than they expected, waiting for their car to be repaired. You know, waiting for the parts to come in. And so, yes, they had to stay there weeks longer than they had planned. Hmm. But God had a bigger plan. And so while they waited for their car to be repaired, God continued to draw my dad back to that church Sunday after Sunday. And he would tell my mom, wake up Sunday morning and say, hey, we're going to church, eh? This was a real turning point. And God kept my dad down in Florida just long enough for him to hear that pastor's entire sermon series. And when my dad came back to Montreal, the seeds that God had planted started to take root. And he quietly started to seek out God on his own. So quiet, in fact, that it was only two years later when my dad was finished a second round of treatment for lymphoma that he actually told me that he woke up every day and started his day with God in the word, listening to a message. And he said, you know, Lord, if I don't start my day that way, I feel like it's a wasted day. Of course, this was during the pandemic, so there were lockdowns. My dad had a lot of time to be at home and to listen. And because of his compromised immune system, you know, he didn't venture out all that much, especially into crowds. But the few times that he did, he came here to Westside. And the last time he came here, he was sitting right over there. And I'll never forget, but a message was preached about an RCMP officer who had cancer. And people said to this RCMP officer, we're going to pray for you. We're going to pray for healing for you. And he said, you know, that's lovely. I appreciate your prayers. But I just really feel like it's my time. And he said, more than anything, what I want you to tell people, I want you to tell them that I finally understand what it means to have the peace that surpasses understanding a peace that isn't based on circumstances. And when my dad heard that, he was standing right over there, he stood up and he was like, that's my story. And six months later, it would be his story. Because six months later, doctors would give my dad the same news. After battling multiple forms of cancer and being healed over a seven-year period, doctors would finally diagnose my dad with acute leukemia and they would say that there was nothing left that they could do. They gave my dad a matter of weeks. But despite that news, my dad seemed to have found a peace. In his final days at the hospital, my dad was telling doctors and nurses 
that he was ready to go home. And they said, yes, we know, Mr. Graham, you want to go back to your house. And he said, no, I'm ready to go home to meet my maker. And he would quote John 14, in my house there are many rooms and I'm going to prepare a place for you. That is a peace that surpasses understanding. That is a peace that only God can give. My RCMP dad, he was tough. His whole life he was tough. But he always thought that he had to rely on himself. But in the end, his greatest display of strength would come from humble surrender. My dad spent his final days at home, and my mom, my brother, and I had the privilege of caring for him. And I would wake up every morning in a panic, thinking, God, I can't do this. I can't do this. And every morning I would hear God say to me, I know you can't, but I can. And as I prayed, just like the Apostle Paul said, as I prayed, God would give me his peace. He would fill me with his peace to get me through another day. You know, and as he gave me his peace, he gave my dad an even greater measure of his peace. And I can honestly say that my love and admiration for my dad grew in those final days of his life as I got to witness his courage up close. My dad was speaking to us right up until the very end. He was joking with us right up until the very end, right up until that final day. That final day, which was one year ago today, on Father's Day. And I woke up that morning, and my dad was unconscious. And I sat in my parents' living room, of the childhood house that I grew up in, the living room that I waited for my dad in for him to take me to breakfast with Santa, the living room that we celebrated countless Christmases and birthdays in, and the sun was just pouring down on me, and I prayed. I said, Lord, there is no greater gift that you could give my dad on this Father's Day than to take him home to be with you, his heavenly Father. And that evening, my mom, my brother, and I were at his bedside, and his breathing changed. And I was rubbing his legs, and I said, Dad, go be with Jesus Go be with Jesus. And in that moment, he took his last breath. And I wasn't sad. I didn't cry. I stood there in awe, thinking that this time, it was his father, his heavenly father, who was standing there with his big arms outstretched, his big strong arms ready to catch his child and welcome him home. My dad taught me so many lessons over the course of my life, 
But I think he taught me the greatest lesson of my life in the final week of his. And that is that a peace that surpasses understanding is possible when we put our faith in a perfect father. I had a great dad, but we have a perfect one. And it doesn't matter what you are going through this morning. He sees it. It doesn't matter how big that mountain is in front of you, he can move it. And even if he doesn't move it, he will give you the strength to climb it. And trust me, he is holding your hand and he is walking with you every step of the way. He will carry you over it if he has to. But he is with you. He's just waiting for that invitation. He's just knocking on the door of your heart but only you can let him in. I did that in 2013, and I just have one regret, that I didn't do it sooner. And I think if my dad were here, he'd tell you the same thing. Yes, I had a great dad, but we have a perfect one, a perfect father who is able to give us perfect peace when we put our faith in him. I'm going to invite Pastor David back up to the stage to pray for us, but before I go, I just want to leave you with one thought. I know today is Father's Day, and yes, we heard that there are millions of cards that will be sent today, countless other gifts, but on this Father's Day where gifts are being given, our Heavenly Father wants to give us the greatest gift. It's the gift of himself. And he's there knocking at the door of our hearts. We just need to believe and receive. Thanks so much, Lori, for sharing so well and open-hearted and um, vulnerably as well to so hear, hear your heart, hear your story, um, inviting us to reflect on the scripture from the New Testament. And Lori, Lori's heart, when we were talking earlier this week and last week, um, her heart was to, that, that, that those of us here would just feel an invitation to come to know what she's come to know and uh, she, she asked me, she said, maybe, you, maybe it's better you do an invitation. And I was listening to her and I said, well, I think we're invited. We're, you, you've invited us uh, in how you've shared. And, and maybe you're drawn uh, or, or maybe even sense a hunger um, with what Lori shared with us today, this piece her dad discovered, especially in the last six to 12 months of his life, the peace she's experienced over the years increasing ways as she's been following Jesus and came to know Jesus about 10 years ago. And um, she put it really well that, that she has discovered the source of this peace. Um, it's not a peace that we can find anywhere in the world or through a gadget or an experience or an escape, but it's really the peace of God. And, and, um, 
And when we think about that, sometimes we have this image of God or who is God or how do we describe God. And even in, this, even in the, these words from the Apostle Paul, you know, he describes a God that in every situation we can present our, we can present our requests to him. That's, that, that's the kind of God he is. In every situation, we can present our requests to God. Isn't that amazing that there's no situation, there's no moment, there's no circumstance, there's no location that is absent from us being able to come to Him. And there's no, uh, even, there's no request that we cannot come to Him with. That's the kind of God He is. And that's, that's so important to know because we know then when we search for Him, and he opens us, our hearts towards him to reveal himself to us so we can already get a sense of who he is. And uh, that's really the source of this peace, right? The big idea here is that if you want the peace of God, then we need to seek the God of peace. And, 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 and this is the hard thing, right? Because we long to seek peace in so many other ways. We long to seek peace in so many other ways. But the peace of God can only come through the God of peace. And his peace has come to you and me and come to the world in, in one very unique way. God did something for you and I to receive this peace, to experience this peace. And his name is Jesus. It's his son. His son who came and who died and who was buried and who was raised from the grave and who ascended into God's presence. And... Paul writes these words, and he helps us see this. He says, And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. That's really important. That little phrase is so important. Paul loves to use that phrase when he writes to these early, early first century churches, when he, when he writes from a prison cell, when he, when he writes to those who are first discovering Jesus or long in their relationship with Jesus. He loves to describe what it means to know God, and he uses that phrase, in Christ, over and over again. And it's, it's Christ, through Christ, that this peace can transcend um, our understanding. It's through Christ that God guards our hearts that way. And we live in a world, right, that's distracted and disrupted and sometimes disappointing and sometimes dangerous. And we need, if we, we need anything, we need God to guard our hearts and our minds. But it's in Christ Jesus. It's in Christ Jesus. It's in Christ Jesus. The offer is, is, has a name. His name is Jesus. Paul wrote another church in another town, and he described Jesus as being our peace, that Jesus is our peace, who's broken down every wall, you know, vertically between us and God and horizontally as that overflows between us and other people. And so I'm certain you're encouraged today and inspired. It's, it's, it's inspiring to, to hear how Lori shared that and, and how the Lord is working in her life. But I know she, she, her heart was, more, was here to do something more than just inspire us. She really wanted to invite us in and uh, to get to know the source of this peace. And so that's my invitation to you this morning, that we would just pause for a moment and consider the source of this peace, the source of her dad's peace, not just saying the peace of God, but recognizing behind that peace is the God of peace, is the God of peace that comes through Jesus in Christ, in relationship with him. Lori met Christ and started to follow Christ 10 years ago, and it's been a growing relationship ever since. And uh, sometimes you wonder, how do you see these things? I, I saw it in her and Fred uh, at the funeral a year ago. 
how your relationship with Christ in Christ um, was so present even in that that moment and it's sometimes in various moments in our life where we catch it we see people we see how God is at work and so here's my invitation to you let's just pause for a moment before we pray maybe maybe here's a few steps for some of you maybe one step is you just want to get to know this God you're just saying like, I, wow, you're here today, you're watching online, maybe you're, you've, you've never come to church, you're like, I know Lori, I've seen her on TV, I've showed up today, and you're like, that's why I'm here, but now you're here and you're listening, you're like, well, I, I want to get to know this God, and so that's, maybe that's that first step, just get to know him um, through the scriptures we have, which we read from this morning, through a community like ours, through friends like Lori and others in your life, start to seek and get to know who this God is. Maybe one next step is just showing up next week. You came here today and you're like, I didn't know community like this existed. We're not perfect. We're messy. We have problems. Trust me. But we do hold to Jesus. <laughs> and we love to discover and explore who God is in increasing ways all the time. So you can join us next week and, um, and be with us. But maybe, maybe, here, maybe you're just here today and you're ready. You've heard... Um, just this invitation. Maybe you've been exploring for a while and maybe you've been tracking with our church for a while and you just want to, you just really feel like you, you want to respond to this invitation. So I just invite you maybe just for a moment, just to bow your heads and just to take a moment between you and, and God who we can come to in every circumstance, bring any, anything to him everything to him. So I just want to invite you just to take this moment. Maybe one of your prayers that you might even need to stumble through, that's okay. Maybe your prayer is, Lord, I want to get to know you. I want to get to know you, God. Maybe that's a prayer you need to say. Maybe a prayer is the only thing you can say is, Lord, I invite you into this circumstance in my life right now that has no peace and I so long for your peace. Maybe that's one way you want to express that prayer. But for those of you who are just really ready to want not only the peace of God but the God of peace, if that's you today, would you just Really just take, just pause for this moment. Recognize the deficiency, the, the limits of our humanity to know this kind of peace, to know this kind of God. And to invite him to lead your life. It's a recognition that, yes, we don't have everything it takes. We are deficient in the areas of full peace and joy and hope. That there's a brokenness to our humanity that the scriptures call sin that often disconnects us from God and from his purposes. And that includes often the, the beautiful overflow and result of knowing him, which is his peace. But I invite you to know him today, not just to know his peace, but to step into a relationship with him today. And if that's you right now, I just want you just to take this moment and pray this with me. 
yes, Jesus. God, right now, I, I long for your peace and your life. But more than that, I long for you. I want to know you. And I'm so grateful that you are the God of peace, which gives us a peace that is beyond anything we could fathom. But God, you're the true source. You're the true joy. You're the true peace. You're the true life. So I recognize my own rebellion, my own sin, my own brokenness, my own deficiency in in knowing you, and I, I just I bring my full self to you right now. And I long to know you and your son Jesus and to follow Christ and to welcome his leadership and his lordship in my life. Amen. Thanks for listening. We hope this message helps guide you on your spiritual journey of discovering the life and message of Jesus. We update this podcast weekly, so why not hit subscribe and journey with us? Who are we? Westside Gathering is a local church in the West Island of Montreal. We're a simple community of faith where we want you to feel welcome, even if you're not into church or religion. We meet every Sunday, but you can also find smaller groups, environments, and resources for all ages between Sundays. Find out more at westsidegathering.com. You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Vimeo. We'd love to hear from you. Ask a question, ask for help, or let us know how we can pray for you. If you'd like to contribute financially, just go to westsidegathering.com forward slash giving. Until next time, peace.